So folks, good morning. Good morning. <laughs> Pastor Chuck Flair, it's wonderful to have you here. Whether you're joining us in our studio audience or whether you're doing as most people do, which is joining us online throughout the week, wonderful to have you here today. And today we're gonna have a really fun service. We're gonna be looking at family and, and we're gonna try to put the fun back in the word dysfunctional. Uh, to just have a little lightness around family and, and maybe some things that God is telling us about family and, and how to hold it more lightly and to move forward with the people we love. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. And, and a little segue is, is a big part of, of family is community. And, and while not all of us are family per se, you know, we do have a community here at New Church Live and we want to serve that community both in terms of in-person and online. Again, with the majority of folks being online, we do offer some online small groups. One we have coming up is this one, Small Group Opportunity Conversations about the New Church. It's just to have conversations around different religious topics that you might find interesting. I'll be facilitating it. We'll be looking at some of these things through the lens of Christian New Church theology. Would love to have you join that. It's just three weeks. It's just, you know, you hop in, get a chance to chat with people from across the country, and that'll be it. So it's a wonderful opportunity to build a little community. And then with that, folks, we're going to go, we're going to get started here on taking a look at family. And, and isn't it interesting with family, what a mixed bag that is? I remember years ago, preaching a sermon, I mean, this is probably, probably close to the start of New Church Live, actually. And, and have thrown out there a question, like, is there anybody in your family who you're not talking to right now? And I'm not talking immediate family, it could be extended family as well. And I was surprised at how many people that was true for. And it's not true for all of us, but it's true for a lot of us that, that there are family strains that actually can lead to that. And, and yet family, we know this as well. We know family, in a certain way, we can, we can stand in a, in a picture of family that's really beautiful. And this was a, a beautiful family photograph that I enjoyed a lot. This was at a wedding for Allie and Matt. And you see they're surrounded by uh, Allie's grandmother, Matt's grandfather. And, and we did a little family blessing at the end of this wedding. And what I brought to mind is, is Allie's grandmother just passed away. I just did her service a couple of days ago. And, and there was a lot of beautiful memories around family and what family can be. And, and one, of the, one of the comments that, that the grandmother, that somebody made about the grandmother, and again, this is the preciousness of family. She, um, her son was saying, oh yeah, mom just loved everybody. And she saw the good in everybody in the family. And I knew that if I ended up being a bank robber, that she would say I made the best license plates. And <laughs> that, was a good, that was a good comment. That's a light comment. And that, that's the beauty of family. But we also know family has other moments like this one, where it just doesn't quite fit the picture. It doesn't quite work the way we wanted it to. And I know speaking as a, as a father of five, now all adults, even the adult parenting has very awkward, difficult moments in it as well. So today, we're not, we're not going to be sort of throwing up there some saccharine sweet view of how families work, because we know that's not true. We know family is a struggle. But here's one of the most important parts, folks. I think family in terms of learning, maybe one of the most critical venues we have for really developing a rich spiritual life. Now, not all the time, so I don't want to overstate that. But clearly, if you're in a family, you're going to have to learn unconditional love. You're just going to have to. 
And you're going to have to learn how to give it. You're going to have to learn how to receive it. Because families are difficult, challenging, a complete blessing, lots of love, lots of anger, lots of tears, lots of joy. It's the whole thing. And somehow that's a microcosm. I mean, I think God knew what God was doing when he said families are a good thing because it puts us in this little crucible where we can really learn. So I want to start out with this question before our first song here. And the question is a simple question. What are the imperfections of family? You can have imperfections of your own family if you want to throw it in there. So what are the imperfections? And you can text in an answer to me at 215-740-3662, 215-740-3662, or you can put comments in the, in the chat rooms that we have going on the places we stream as well. So would love to hear that, and then we're going to incorporate some of those into the service. Don't worry, I will not read your name, you know, if you want to share one. It'll be anonymous, but it'll just be good for us to all be aware, oh yeah, these are the imperfections of family. So with that, folks, big welcome, big welcome, welcome to New Church Live. Thanks, Chuck. Good morning, everybody. Here's a, one of my favorite songs. You'll notice I'm alone up here today, and this song is really um, dependent on lots of harmonies. So if you know it and you're at home or you're here, you can... Sing a harmony, if you'd like. You who are on the road must have a code that you can live by. And so become yourself because the past is just a goodbye. Teach your children well Their father's hell Did slowly go by And feed them on your dreams The one they picked The one you'll know by Don't you ever ask them why If they told you you would cry So just look at them and sigh your elders grew by and so please help them with your youth they seek the truth before they can die teach your parents well their children's hell will slowly go by and feed them on your dreams the one they
thanks for singing along. Uh, folks, I'm sitting, I'm sitting back there chuckling over some of the things we got in, uh, texted in. And again, feel free, you know, throughout, again, even if you're watching like two weeks, three weeks, I mean, I had a comment from a sermon I preached several years ago, just a few, few days back. Feel free to like, leave a comment or shoot me a text. I mean, it really is fun to have this ongoing conversation. And then some of these folks, you know, that people shared, some of them are serious, some of them are lighthearted. And that's, again, where it's, where it's challenging, right? That's the challenge of family, because family are both in. Here's a sampling for you. Family betrayal is a hard one for me, and I think that is, that is a really difficult one. Another person writes, and this one's a little lighter, perfection is boring. I don't want a boring family. Another person, you assume you know your family, but don't necessarily see how they have grown into new people. That's, that's very insightful. So many expectations. Another person writes, differing political views and opinions. Obviously not mine, though. Another person, you can't choose them. Good, well said. Another person, more than one person needing to be right. And there's a sampling for you. And I think we're going to see a lot of those in, as we go through this service today, you know, talking about the imperfections. And, and again, we, we don't want to ever hold the Bible up as like, here's the story of the way everyone did it perfectly. You know, kind of like this is the model. Because there's every single bit of dysfunction you could imagine in the Bible. And I think that's what gives it its robustness because it isn't perfect. And it's not about being perfect. It's about progress, not perfection. It's about how do we wrestle with these different things. For example, again, you get a, you get a family together, you have different political opinions, and everybody is right in their own mind, and they're all trying to convince each other. Well, that's going to be a challenging situation. But even there, how can we move through that? And that's what I want to talk about today is, is just what are some ideas. Now, I'm not a family counselor by any way, shape, or means. These are just ideas to try to maybe give you a few biblical principles to think about and to consider as, as you wrestle with the inevitable challenges of family. So where do I want to start? I want to start here. I want to start on that the focus needs to be on, and this is a big one, actually, that the focus needs to be on a commitment to the relationship, not just the person. A commitment to the relationship, not just a person. That it can be said really quickly, but that, that idea has layers and layers and layers of meaning. Because it means that in whatever relationship you're in, you have to think what's best for the relationship. And at some point in time, that might not be the best thing for you as an individual or for them as an individual. But you sacrifice because the relationship is the significant thing. That is varsity level stuff. That is hard. That is really hard to do. Because in a way, loyalty just to a person can, can be pretty easy. Welcome to the mafia. <laughs> but you know, this, this loyalty to a relationship, that's a little different. Because sometimes it means there are good conversations, sometimes it means there are challenging conversations, and sometimes it means you just keep your mouth shut. <laughs> because the relationship is more important. Now how does that show up? What example might we think about? Well, well one I think about a lot is New Church Live. We have a lot of young couples, a lot of young families. Again, they're online. No doubt many of them are watching right now. And, and with, these, with these young couples, one of the things I'm, I'm struck by consistently, trying to, 
trying to uh, share, you know, this biblical principle that, that when you find your partner, that really, really the commitment is to marriage as well as to them. But the primary commitment is to this concept of marriage. Now, what does that mean? Well, I think about the idea what God has joined together, let no person put asunder famous lines. You've heard them at a bunch of weddings. Well, that idea, what God has joined together, it actually means yoked, like draft animals, because you're to be pulling somewhere. You're to think of your marriage and think of, okay, what are we trying to do with this marriage? How is this going to help the world? I mean, that's an important question. Not one that's asked a whole lot, by the way. But that idea of like, yeah, that's what we're committing to. It's not just loyalty to a person. I mean, obviously you want to be loyal, faithful, all those things. Really critically important. So I'm talking about an and here, not an or. And, and then couples can start to see, you know, when you really get, oh yeah, this is about relationship. We start to see how, how, how marriage can have all these, these threads that go out and, and make huge impacts on people. And then actually it can circle back to them as well. I want to share with you a story from, from last weekend. I was honored to do this beautiful wedding here with, with John and Christina. And John and Christina, last week, the weather here in Philadelphia, as it often is, is rather tumultuous. You know, the, the idea, you don't like the weather in Philadelphia, just wait five minutes and it'll change. And, um, you know, this, this, this day, it was like sort of rainy, sort of not. The couple has to make the call by like two o'clock. Two o'clock, they decide they're going to move the wedding indoors. Then as the wedding draws closer, five o'clock, it's like, it's like, 4 o'clock, 4.15, looks like we have clear skies. So then we, we decide, all right, so, so we're going to move the wedding outdoors. Get everything set up. And then thunder spoke, <laughs> and we moved the wedding back indoors with like five minutes before the wedding was to happen. So literally, the wedding was outdoors, indoors, outdoors, indoors. Now, now, there's, now there's a way that you could, in your mind, spin that to be a disaster, right? But it wasn't because it, it was just, it was all this beautiful relationship thing and everybody's moving chairs in and out and there's, there's some laughter. I mean, no doubt there was, was some stress around it. I wouldn't say that there was, was stress-free, but it was this beautiful just communal thing of like, oh, we're going to figure it out. And, and I want you to, to take a look at a little clip. They did a wedding video that they got released very quickly. I want you to take a look just at this little, little clip at the beginning of the wedding as I introduce them to their wedding day. And, and I want you to notice the joy that they have when they turn around and they see all the people there, all the people that have come to enjoy this particular part, this particular celebration of their life. So take a look at this very short video. So I want to welcome you to, to a little thunder, a little rain, a little sunshine, and a bunch of rainbows, and a collection of people who love you to pieces. And I want you just for a minute to turn around and take a look and just give them a little wave. Put your phones down so you can see these people. And just give a, and just look, I just want you folks to take in for a minute, the beautiful part of this. There are all the threads of your life right there. All those little pieces. And as I said, I think it's so beautiful on a day like today, you can look at the groomsmen over here, the beautiful bridesmaids over here. You know, the idea that a couple times in life, we get to actually witness the threads. We get to see how they all come together. And somehow, it's this reminder that God has always had a plan 
And here's the best news. The plan's really good. So welcome to your wedding day. I love that little video. And, and uh, you know, just seeing their faces, right? Like they, they turn around, and, and I do that at almost every wedding. I do not every wedding, but most of them. And, and there's just this beautiful moment where they see that their, that their marriage is all these interconnections, all these threads, all these threads. Now, of course, you know, not everybody's married. Some people are divorced, you know. Um, those things happen. That's part of it, too. But it doesn't mitigate the idea that, yeah, there's these beautiful moments where we just get to see how all the threads come together and how the relationships, like, that's what it's about. It's about the relationships. And, and can we sit in that when families struggle? Like, what matters for the relationship here? Which might mean that what the conversation you have in the afternoon, this afternoon, might be really important, might be really hard today, but really matter in 10 years. Think about that. What's the 10-year conversation you want to have there? Because you want to have it so that the relationship gets stronger. Because if the relationship continues to grow, loyalty will start to really build, build in a very different way than just kind of a blind loyalty. Because you're both being loyal to the relationship about what needs to happen with the relationship. What would be a second idea? Well, well, this one's kind of a fun one as well. And it's, it's the idea that we need to give up on the powerful myth of perfect choices. There's a powerful myth out there with, with family and with any group, right? That there's, there's these set of perfect choices we can make. And we, we tend to break the world consistently into binaries. You know, that it's this or this, this. Jesus is forever saying, no, there's actually a third way. There's something we can't imagine that ends up being a both and. I loved listening to, to a podcast recently, and the podcast had these, these, was interviewed by Kate Baller. You know, you can Google this. It was Kate Baller interviewing Mary Louise Kelly. And, and she was talking about the myth of perfect choices, Mary Louise Kelly was. And I, I loved what she had to say here. So, so she's a very famous broadcaster, journalist. And she was talking about how what happened was that, that she had reached a point in her life where it was all career, 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 career. One of her children had a challenge. She's a new mom and had a challenge. So she decided to sort of park her career over here so that she could focus over here on her child, getting them the medical care that they needed, the counseling that they needed. And now they're doing fine. And, and that's, that was going to be her focus for a while. So what happened with this, with Mary Louise Kelly, when, when she was out there in life doing her thing, being the mom, had decided to park her career a little bit. She came across someone who was a very famous, she didn't name the person, but we probably would know the person's name. She, she ran across a colleague who was also professional, who had also had a baby at the same time. And while they were both reporters, they had shared what it was like being pregnant, how hard it was to be pregnant in high heels, all these different, all these different things of their work. And then she saw her a few years later, and she looks at her, and she's like, wow, that woman is totally put together. Power suit, she has it all. Her career is just like boom, 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 marched on. Mary Louise Kelly's career was here. This other woman's career was here. Myth of perfect choices. 
So she believed that the other woman had made the perfect choice. So what Mary Louise Kelly did, she goes home, she's very tearful with her husband, oh, what am I doing, what am I thinking, I gave up all my career and all this, and I felt I could have had it all, and I just, I just sort of dropped the ball. Years go by, and eventually she, she sits down with this woman who had had this very successful career, and the other woman leans in and she's there, Mary, Mary Louise, I have to tell you something. I have to tell you a secret. You remember years ago when we ran across each other and, and you, were, you, know, you were with your son? I think they were going to go see like a grandmother, go to the park or something. Remember when I saw you with your son? And, you know, I was all ready and I was going off to do this big interview. Remember when I saw you there? She said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's smiling here. She, she said, the other reporter said, you know, I went home and I cried <laughs> because I felt I made the wrong choice. I should have been with my kid. Boy, that's powerful. Both of them are struggling with the idea that this could be a perfect choice or this could be a perfect choice. Be careful, and again, this is so true with families, it's so true with careers, it's so true with parenting. Be very careful of the myth of perfect choices. I think a key wisdom, a key little nugget is you know you make a choice and then you make it the right choice. <laughs> Because there just aren't perfect choices with things. It's just, it's going to be messy. It's going to be ragged. There's going to be times where, where it just feels so strained. I, you know, maybe, I'm just thinking off the top of my head here, you know, maybe even as a parent, you have a difficult conversation with a child. You feel like you totally blew it. But somehow that conversation years down the road might be the most important conversation you ever have, even though it was a disaster in the minute, in the, right in the moment, excuse me. So, that's the second one. Let go of the myth of perfect choices because we want to steer away from that as best we can and that's because that's how God works. I mean, God does not, folks, you know, God does not expect us to make perfect choices. The Bible is, is filled. I mean, everyone in there is making poor, poor decisions all the time. And that's why we need to, and this is the third one, sometimes think this way. This was a, a beautiful quote that I really love from a priest. He said, sometimes I think heaven is just a new pair of glasses. That's the third thing. Sometimes I think heaven is just a new pair of glasses. I, I love that on so many levels. Life will be, your family will be what it will be. And if we let go of that, there's the perfect choice that's going to shape our family a certain direction. And, and we can just kind of breathe, very gently breathe with all that and really get, yep, I'm just going to keep on being committed to the relationship. The glasses, the beautiful part of glasses is that glasses, they don't, you've heard me preach this a million times, but it's worth it to preach it a million more. Glasses are not about seeing something different. They're about seeing differently. They're not about what you see, they're about how you see. How do you see with just a little more clarity? I mean, that's what they do. I think there's, there's something incredibly beautiful about that because, because we're going to be talking about a, a, a Bible story here, and it's, it's about who was a hero of the Bible, Noah, and all the, the imperfect choice that he made and how family kind of shows up with that. And it shows how we can choose to have glasses or not, can choose different ways of seeing it. And the way that we're going to talk about it is that it's this basic decision between shame or restore. 
And, and, and hopefully as we go through the story, you can see how it all ties together. Remember I said like relationship has to be the primary thing. That's what we're always seeking to restore. Always seeking to restore that relationship. That has to be the primary thing. Ready for this? Because that's how God, that's what God's trying to do with all of us. He's trying to restore the relationship. If you have a concept of a shaming God, I'm going to be really bold here and tell you this flat out. You're wrong. <laughs> you're wrong. You're wrong. Just isn't it? It's not how God works. God's not interested in shaming people. He's in interested in restoration. He's interested in healing. He's interested in meaning. He's interested in joy and laughter and music. I mean, just imagine that. Very different view of God. And now I want to, want to read you a story here. This is a beautiful story from the Old Testament. And it's a story. Remember, Noah, Noah's, a pretty, Noah's a pretty famous hero in the Bible. And, uh, you know, of Noah and the ark fame, Right? So here's Noah, he, he, he builds an ark because God told him to. He's the one righteous person left. I mean, again, folks, this is mythology. As we say with mythology, mythology isn't true because it happened. Mythology is true because it happens over and over again. So see it in that context. So here's, here's this man, the one righteous person left. Him and his family, God says, you know, build an ark, put the animals on it because everything else is going to be wiped out. There's going to be a big flood. And just think of that as floods in our lives might be a way to hold that. So Noah does this very heroic thing, and he, he captains them through these incredible storms. And then the end of the story happens, big rainbow, and life is good, you know, cue the chorus. <laughs> and then, again, you know what happens? He gets drunk. He gets drunk. He ties one on. And that's where we pick up the story here. Noah, a man of the soil, proceeded to plant a vineyard. When he drank some of its wine, he became drunk and lay uncovered inside his tent. In other words, he was naked in the tent. Ham saw his father's nakedness and told his two brothers outside. But Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it across the shoulders. You can see that in the picture here. And then laid it across the shoulders, their shoulders. Then they walked him backward and covered their father's nakedness. Their faces were turned the other way so that they would not see their father's nakedness. In other words, they were not there to shame him. They were there to restore him. When Noah awoke from his wine, he found out what his younger son had done. In other words, what Ham had done. Folks, it's, 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 this, it's this beautiful part, right, of like, yeah, which are we going to choose to restore or to shame? That's a real choice. I mean, sometimes I feel like we can, we can say these choices. Well, like, who would choose shame? Who would choose shaming someone? I would. I have in the past. I'm not proud of it, but I have done that. I mean, five kids, that's going to happen on occasion, and it doesn't make it okay. This is a real choice. Is, there, is that showing up for you somewhere? Are you actually shaming somebody more than you're working at restoring them? That, that shaming part, folks, that ham part there, that was the son who did it, Christian New Church Theology says that's the part that wants to condemn, hold others in contempt, mock them, and broadcast their faults. And I think that is sadly part of the human condition. It's something that we do. And, and, and the hard part, like the hard truth about family, 
is it's not hard to do with family. Do you know why? Because we know all that stuff. We know their faults. We know the places where they've stumbled. We know the goofy thing they did when they were 14. We know their awkwardness. We know the social situations where they just flounder. We know the physical characteristic that they wrestle with all the time. Because those things are true, it's easy to choose this response. And, and that's not choosing the relationship. Because when we're shaming someone, we're making the relationship this. That I can know and I can judge. We're not making the relationship this. This is what restoration is. It's like this and actually a little bit like this. We're actually propping people up. That's a, a very challenging, I mean, I, I want to put that challenge out there because I think that challenge really matters. And because when the ham part, that part that's interested, as we said, in, in condemning, contempt, mock, and broadcasting faults, this is a piece of Christian New Church theology from the book Secrets of Heaven. And it says, when neighborly love is absent, that ham part, self-love is present, along with hatred for anyone who doesn't cater to their needs alone, so they see nothing in their neighbor but their neighbor's evil. Very, very easy to do. Very easy to do. And so, folks, we, we, we make those choices, right? And so how is it that we, we can change that? Well, it was interesting this morning out on a walk. I heard this beautiful definition of holiness. And this is where I think families can, can sort of have that aroma of holiness to them in a certain way. The person that was being interviewed said, yeah, holiness. Holiness is is where we choose to make a stand in a world that's constantly shifting. Oh, that's good. Ooh, good. What that means is that we can find the holy all over the place. I mean, yeah, I, th I would hope in church, but, but I think in a certain way, churches at, its best is, are, are at, its, at their best are saying, yeah, you may find a little bit of holiness there, but the whole point of finding holiness here is so that actually you start to see it everywhere. Thomas Merton, the gate of heaven's everywhere. And then we can, we can step in that holiness. It allows this world that just feels like it's constantly shifting, relationships that are constantly in flow. And we just stay in that place and we just go, oh yeah, and this is holy ground right here. This is holy ground right here. That's a powerful way to start to see the world. And that's where we can start to understand, folks, that, and this is, this is more for the parents who are watching this, is, is that's where really what we want to offer our kids as we stay, make that stand in the holiness of life, that stand, that stand, that stand. It's not standing on someone, it's just making a stand. When we really get to understand that stand, what we're doing is we're starting to offer them commitments. Let's think about that for a second. What does it look like to offer to your most cherished relationships especially if you're in a parent-child relationship, commitments. Here's an idea that I, that, I, that I got off of David Brooks that was a, was a beautiful idea when he was talking about, you know, parenting here. He said, don't just hand them, meaning your children, the nothing box of freedom or possibility or authenticity because all this is asking them, all this is asking them to access is what has not been formed yet. Now, that takes a little bit of thought but it's a beautiful concept, right? Is, is you know, if, if we're in our families and the family's all about, no, just do whatever you want, total freedom, total freedom, total freedom, total freedom. 
We're forgetting a river without banks is a puddle. We're forgetting that really the best thing we can offer other people are our commitments. And, and we live in a culture, a society that says, no, 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 it's all about offering our kids just absolute carte blanche freedom. It's not. <laughs> it's not. Because they don't have a self yet. And I'm talking a true self. They don't, they don't necessarily really have that grounded part. And we offer them, when we offer them commitments, it gives them a chance, a chance to develop that. Now, obviously, folks, you know, you don't want to take that too far, right? You know, like, offer them lots of freedom. Offer them lots of freedom. And at the same time, just, yeah, just, just think about what are the commitments that you want them to know. We do a lot of baptisms here, you know. Uh, we have a, one coming up in just a, just a couple of short weeks. Family from Western Pennsylvania who will be out here to get, have their little one baptized as part of a church service. And, and you know, so much of baptism is getting couples to think through, well, what do you want, when, when the good Lord calls you home and your children are now adults, what do you want them to say about you in terms of the commitments that you lived by that really helped their life. What do you want your kids to say? If you don't have kids, what do you want your niece, your nephew, whoever your, your favorite is, you know, the, the child you're taking care of, what do you want them to say? What was your commitment? And again, that, those commitments aren't necessarily easy, right? Or Because sometimes they will entail saying hard things, and maybe that is what the commitment you need to hear. Yeah, I'm just committed to saying the things that really need to be said because this is what will help people in the long term. But what are those? Hmm. You know, there's something to think about. So with looking at those commitments, I want to just share three really quickly here with you, just, just ideas. And, and these are ideas just gleaned from this, from this story. You know, like looking at this story, what are the commitments? What are we really trying to do? And it's based on the idea that nurture guidance and limits. That's what we're always trying to do in family. How do we nurture each other? How do we offer guidance together? And how do we have appropriate limits as well? And it's, it's the idea, you know, folks, pay attention to their good qualities. That's much, much easier said than done because family will drive you crazy. It will drive you crazy. And yet, can you look at that and can you find, oh yeah, this is their best quality. This is what they do well. That is, that is one of the core concepts of Christian New Church theology. That that's the good in the neighbor that we serve. We have to get close. And the, the trick is, right, you can't see that from a distance. People look pretty messy from far away. But you have to draw close enough that you can really feel it. You can really understand, oh yeah, this is their best quality. Consistently see that. Consistently draw attention to their best qualities. The next one, work towards a better story. That's the guidance part. It's, is I love the idea that we're all writing stories and that there's chapters and, and it's never the bottom of the ninth and life is a movie, not a photograph. All those things are really true, and that's what you want to remind them of, is that, yeah, we're, we're working towards a better story here. How do we do that? I mean, even, even folks, you know, this last one, gently course correct, like there's a gentleness to it as well. You know, 
it's, we live in a culture that even when I was typing this, I need to be honest with you, you know, even as I'm typing this, I'm a little mortified typing it. Like, <gasps> can I tell you that our job is to help other people course correct? I got to say it. Our job at times is to help other people course correct because maybe you see something they don't. You need to allow room for me. You may be totally wrong. <laughs> you might be, and that's okay. But, but it's, this gentle, it's this gentle course correction that can, that can really make a difference in life. I mean, folks, just think, think about somebody, think of a parent, grandparent, aunt or uncle who really loved you, really loved you. What did they tell you that was a gentle course correction that makes a difference in your life to this day? What was it? Think about that. I guarantee there was something. You can offer that too. I think, again, when we, when we go back to the story here, we go back to the story, and, and here are the two brothers, the good brothers, and they, they put the, you know, the cloak, and then they walk backwards. Well, we see that. We see that, like, this is Noah. This is their dad. They know he has lots of good qualities. They're out to restore the relationship. They're working clearly towards a better story, not one of shame. And I love the idea of gently course correct. Folks, they didn't ignore that he was drunk. <laughs> they didn't say, oh, nothing to see here. No one's drunk. No, they covered him. They covered him. There's an acknowledgement there, but then there's also a restoration. Acknowledge and restore. Acknowledge and restore. What's the better story here? Now, friends, as the, as the musicians come out here, you know, think about how that works in life. Like, how how that really can work and how that can function. You see, and again, don't lose track of that, that really what this is all about is learning the workings of unconditional love. And don't see anything here. It's like, well, here you've got it. Now you get to go home and practice it amongst all those who don't. That's not it at all. I feel like all of us don't get it. And all of us need to work on this together. And if we do, we really do find unconditional love we find a love that's got real vigor to it, that's got reality to it, and a love, I think, that more and more has God in it. If you ever find yourself stuck in the middle of the sea, I'll sail the world to find you If you ever find yourself lost in the dark and you can't see There'll only be to guide you we find out what we're made of When we are caught to help our friends in need You can't count on me like one, two, three, and I'll be there And I know when I need it I can count on you Like four, three, two, and you'll be there Cause that's what friends are supposed to do Oh yeah, ooh, 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 ooh. Tossing and you're turning and you just can't fall asleep I'll sing a song beside you And if you ever forget how much you really mean to me 
Every day I will remind you. Oh, we find out what we're made of when we are called to help our friends in need. You can't count on me like one, two, three, and I'll be there. And I know when I need it, I can't count on you like four, three, two. That's what friends are supposed to do, oh yeah. Ooh, 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 ooh. Ooh, 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 yeah, yeah. You'll always have my shoulder when you cry. I'll never let go, never say goodbye. Thank you. Hey everyone, this is your friendly reminder to make a donation to New Church Live. And it's super easy and there's a handful of ways. There's a QR code below, which will take you to the donate page, or you can text the word New Church Live, all one word, all lowercase to 77977, and you can make a donation that way. Or you can visit our website, www.newchurchlive.tv, and there's a donate tab there. Both places you can set up a reoccurring donation or you can make a one-time donation and all of your support helps fuel everything that happens here at New Church Live. We're so appreciative. Thank you all so much for making a donation. Thanks. Thanks, Ange. A beautiful, beautiful song. I mean, just the, the fun of that song, right? And that that's the way it, sh it should have that feel to it. Like commitment and commitment around family, it's gonna have hard moments, but it's gonna have a lot of fun moments too. A lot of beautiful, good things to it. It was interesting, as you can tell, you know, this stage looks a little different today. I don't know whether we can get a camera shot down here, the, the stonework. This, this was not done for New Church Live. We, we broadcast actually from a, from a school-owned performing arts center, and they're doing the play Once Upon a Mattress, and, and I was privileged to be able to see that play a couple of days ago. And, and just watching these different families and the commitment to show up to watch their kids and the kids' commitment to show up and act and sing and do, a, whoop, and do all these things. And then just, just seeing them and, and seeing, you know, the joy and, and how much life shifts for these kids. And it's all, all out of commitment. You know, they were committed to something. Their parents, their teachers, their school, all committed to something. And because they were committed to something, they're going to be free in a way down the road that, that's impossible to describe to them. I know, I used to be a high school teacher, and, and you watch kids go through that experience, and, and there's a freedom that's just amazing at the end of that. Or at least for a second, they feel like they can do anything, but it's not feeling they can do anything out of sort of just a broad brush freedom. It's a feeling they could do anything because they learned what commitment can do. 
there's something powerful. And I think that's the way God has it, has it set up. Because we know, we know, again, with all this, folks, none of it's perfect. You know, somebody just texted in. Imperfection is not recognizing when you're wrong. Yeah, that, that is very true. Very true. And yet, we can find ways forward because we're blind to that. We're blind to a lot of these things in our life and a lot of these challenges in the world. But that's where if we do get that new set of glasses, we can start to see with a little more clarity. Start to see ways we can move forward. Start to see the people in our lives in new ways. And it's just this memory that we can do hard things. We can just breathe. We can work to make even the most challenging family situations. We can work to just make it a little bit better. May not solve it. May not cure it. You know, may not be like the ultimate solution, but we can just do what we can do to just make it a little better. And, and we can have a sigh of relief around that around that commitment coming to life in maybe just a small way, but it matters. So the closing word for today's service. I interviewed a dear friend, somebody who's also on our board of directors from up in New Hampshire, Erica Heilman, and I asked her, you know, came to the end of the interview, and I said, Erica, this is me paraphrasing here, you know, if you wanted your kids to know one thing, what would you want them to know? And she has a beautiful, beautiful sort of um, reflection here. On, on the things she would really want her kids to know. So I wanted to close with that, and then I'll be back out to lead us in prayer. So enjoy these couple of minutes here with Erica up in New Hampshire. Erica, if, if, you're, if your wonderful children sat you down and they said, all right, Mom, what do you want us to most know? And you did have a chance to actually say it. And again, no, no, no young adult I know of has actually asked this question. So if you are a young adult listening, I dare you to, to ask it because I think it's an important one. What would what would you offer to them? You know, if your if your children sat you down and said, Mom, what do you really want us to know? Ooh, that is a question. Um I think first and foremost, I would want my kids to know we can do hard things. Mm -hmm. Um, and we will do hard things, but if we talk about them and we are truthful about the hard things, um, you can kind of do anything. Um, mm -hmm. so I do, I do try to model that for my kids in, in that I don't avoid real conversations, um, and try to have them as best I can if they will participate. And they do, you know, mostly they do age dependent, you know. Um, so I would say that I would say I definitely, and I've, you know, again, sort of letting go of my preconceived notions is really, um, being supportive of their path and, and what they want to do. Um, and not so much, you know, what I think they should do. Um, and then really, I mean, this is the thing that all parents have said to their kids from like very little, certainly through the teenage years make good choices, right? Mm -hmm. It's like life is a series of choices that it really is what it is. And so just encouraging them to make good choices, not all the time, because obviously the biggest learning comes in the, you know, the moments of failure. And so um, I actually have a, a good friend um, who has three kids and he said to me, um, he said, I recently said something to my kids that 
they were a little shocked by, instead of wishing them successes, I wished them failures, <laughs> which I thought was great because, you know, life can go along beautifully and you learn very little. Boy, some great, some great food for thought there. So, yeah, and, and you know, as I'm, I'm watching that, I just smile and thinking, yeah, you know, the hard choice is ready for this, folks. The, the we can do hard things. The hard things are the good things. And for many of us, some of the hardest things we're going to find are going to be in our families. Some of the most blessed things we're going to find are going to be in our families. And that's such a, it's such a beautiful place to make those choices that Erica refers to, to, to do those things that are hard. Knowing if we do those things that are hard, somehow those things end up being what's good. Just think about that. Those things that are hard, we can do hard things, will end up, blessed by God, being the good things. So that's, that's the wish here today, folks. It's just, you know, I mean, I, I, what do I want? Like, I want people to come out. I hope we all come out of this service with a smile, with maybe a little lightness around family, and maybe a, maybe a sense of recommitting in some way, shape, or form. Oftentimes, they're just teeny tiny little things. Sometimes they may be big, whatever it might be for you, but that, but that we come out of this rejuvenated that way, restored that way. Now, in God's whole journey, this is all about joy. It's all about joy. And if I know one thing, it's this. The journey's good. The journey is very good. So thank you for joining us today. Again, we warmly invite you back next week as we close this series on commitment with a sermon called Doing the Work. We hope you can join us. Again, to our online audience, thank you so much for joining us. And again, if you're joining us archived, as most people do, feel free to text me throughout the week or the months ahead. It's wonderful to hear people's thoughts on different things, no matter where you are in the country. It's wonderful to hear from you. And with that, dear friends, let's close with a prayer, and then we're going to go into our final song, which is a very cute song that will bring a smile. So please wait for it, because you will enjoy it as we close today's service. So please join me in prayer. Lord, thank you for your presence here among us today. Thank you for helping us to maybe think through what commitment to family looks like. A commitment to love, obviously, and a commitment to relationship. What does it really look like to commit to the relationship? Not the relationship as it stands right at this moment, but maybe planting seeds for the relationship we want in one year, five years, 10 years. Help us to plant those seeds. Help us to remember we are here not to shame or be shamed, but we're here to restore and to be restored. That's your grace. That's your way. That's your life moving through us. Thank you for your presence here today. Be with us in the week ahead. Your prayer. Our Father who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done, as in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. 
May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you, bring you peace, and bring you home. Amen. So we've talked about some of the hard aspects of family, and uh, this is just a, a song that I really love by an artist named Casey Musgraves that really touches on, on that exact thing. They're there for your first year, they give you your first beer. When you get your heart broke, they're there for your worst year. Don't get you at all, but your apple don't fall too far from home. They own too much wicker and drink too much liquor. You'd wash your hands of them, but blood's always thicker. You might look dislike them, but that don't mean you like them, but you love them. Family is family in church or in prison. You get what you get and you don't get to pick them. They might smoke like chimneys and give you their kidneys. Yeah, friends come in handy, but family is family. They're there when you're married, divorced and remarried. You fall out of touch, but then someone gets buried. You're right back together like no time has ever gone by. Can't live with or without them. You might talk about them, but if someone else does well, then you'll knock them out. Cause when it's all said and done, they're the only ones that you got. Family is family in church or in prison. You get what you get and you don't get to pick them. They might smoke like chimneys but give you their kidneys. Yeah, friends come in handy, but family is family. Yeah, family is funny. They'll ask you for money. up at Christmas, get up in your business. They might not be fancy, but family is family. Might look just like them, but that don't mean you're like them, but you love them. Thank you. Have a great week, everybody. <laughs> Thank you.